We're going to do, thank you, there we go. Um, we are going to commission Stephanie, and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, but a, a little, you know, a little information about how this is all happening and why this is all happening. Um, most of you know the story about how Stephanie came to us, um, but I'll just say it again for the record. Uh, we got together last fall, I think it was. Yes, it was last fall, and she was looking for some rooms to do some uh, counseling stuff. And uh, we're going to use downstairs. I said, yeah, that's okay. And, and in the process, she mentions to me that she has just gotten her a master's in pastoral theology and that she is looking for some place to do her internship. She was thinking maybe over at Colby or at Deepwater, which is the church her and her family attend. And, uh, and we just kind of left it at that, really. We just talked about it for a few minutes and then away we went. And, uh, and over the, f the next few weeks, I kept on getting this sense, like, I don't know, she's supposed to be here for that internship. And I'm going, but why would she be here? She's got deep water or she's got Colby. I mean, why would she be here? And I just said, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let it go. And dun -dun -dun -dun. and uh, if it's God, it'll just come to be. So we get together about a month later, and sh she sits down, and, and uh, I think you said, I, I don't know how to say this, but I think I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing the internship here. And I said, well, me too. Um, and, uh, and that's how it began. And then we decided in March she would start uh, to do the internship. Uh, March, April, the end of April, we got together, we're looking at each other going, what do you think and what are you feeling? And I, I said, I think you're supposed to continue here somehow. I don't know in what capacity, but for now, just keep doing what we're doing. And you had the same thing. And then June rolls around and uh, her situation with the previous uh, employment came to an end. And we're just kind of, <laughs> again, we're downstairs just kind of looking at each other and saying, what should we do here? And it just came, you're supposed to be here with us. And then we started turning it into an official thing and uh, went through all the processes with the board and everything. Um, and, uh, and lo and behold, here we are. And you know, the beautiful thing about it is that Stephanie was not looking for Mosaic and Mosaic was not looking for Stephanie. We really weren't. We weren't looking to have anyone come on staff or anything like that. And what's beautiful about that is God gave Stephanie to Mosaic and God gave Mosaic to Stephanie. There's something there which her and I often kind of go, I wonder what God's up to. But it's a very uh, strange turn in her road and it's a strange turn in our road. But what we do know is that God is in this. And there's something very unique that God is doing. We don't know what it is. And, you know, we don't have to. We really don't have to. All we have to know is that uh, God's with us. And he'll let us know what we need to know when we need to know it. Not, the, not an easy way to live sometimes. But uh, it, is the, it is the biblical way to live. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11, 16. I'm just going to say something quickly. You all know this scripture. Uh, now, these are the gifts. Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, and here's the part that we always miss out on, to do his work and build up the church. That it's not 
leadership that does the work and builds and goes out and does all the work. It's our job to build up the church so you can go out and do the work. Um, and to build up the church in the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. Boy, we need that today. Unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, like, that's, that's what the pastoral charge is. That really is what we're supposed to be doing is, as leaders. And uh, the leadership of Mosaic Church has approved Stephanie. We've gone through all that process uh, to be commissioned to the office of pastor of spiritual formation. And that's what the actual title will be. So Stephanie, just invite you to come forward. Commissioned pastors are called to build up Christ's church, to proclaim God's word, to declare forgiveness through Jesus Christ, to call publicly on the name of the Lord on behalf of God's people, and to celebrate Christ's holy sacraments, baptizing and presiding at the Lord's Supper. They are to build up and equip those with whom they work, show the gospel of God's grace in word and in deed, share people's joys and sorrows, encourage the faithful, Recall those who fall away, help the sick and the dying, and serve with the whole church in its ministry to the world. Sounds like a, a marriage covenant, doesn't it? Yeah. So, Stephanie, so all may know you are both willing and able to accept this ministry. Uh, we just ask that you would answer these questions that we're going to put to you. Do you confess together with us and the church throughout all ages that your faith is in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. do you believe in your heart that you are called by God and Christ's church to this specific form of ministry? I do. do you believe the books of the Old Testament and New Testaments to be the word of God and the perfect doctrine of salvation, rejecting all contrary beliefs? Will you proclaim the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, upholding the witness of holy scriptures against all schisms and heresies? I will. Amen. Will you be diligent in your study of holy scripture and in your use of the means of grace? Will you pray for God's people and lead them by your own example in faithful service and holy living? Will you strive to fulfill faithfully, diligently, and cheerfully, <laughs> cheerfully <laughs> the duties required of you in the work to which you are being commissioned, following our Lord's example of humble service? Okay, Stephanie. Be attentive to yourself and to all the flock given to your care by the Holy Spirit. Love Christ, feed his lambs, tend his sheep, be an example in speech, in conduct, in love and faith and in purity. Attend to reading, prayer, study, preaching and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. 
Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Stephanie, guard what has been entrusted to you. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Amen. I'd ask the congregation to stand now because we need to get agreement from you. We've had it from leadership, and now we need to get it from you, and we're going to ask some questions, and you can reply. In the Lord Jesus Christ, do you receive Stephanie as a pastor in Mosaic Church? Do you promise to honor her and welcome her service as a representative of Jesus Christ? Do you promise to encourage and pray for her as you labor together for the welfare of the world? And do you promise her such financial and personal support that she may serve among you with joy? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now we're going to do a little bit of this a ceremony here um, that I just think is really important. I sat and thought about how we should go about this, and this is what came to me as I prayed about and thought about it. First will be the washing of hands. And I would just ask Monica to come up. And Monica's going to pour water over your hands. Stephanie? Exodus 30, 17 to 20. Then the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and his sons, they are to wash their hands and feet whenever they enter the tent of meeting. They shall wash with water so that they will not die. And this is a reminder that we are washed by the blood of Jesus and forever cleansed by it. It's a powerful thing. Receiving God's favor that rescues us from eternal judgment. Thank you, Monica. You may be seated. Thank you. Caroline, if you could come forward, that would be great. This is called a talit, and it's a Hebrew Jewish prayer shawl. I'll give it to you. And it's in Exodus, it says, Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him, and consecrate him so we may serve, that he may serve as a priest. And you can just put that on. And we, we place this shawl as a symbol of your new mantle to serve God in this church. A calling done with the strength and the wisdom that only prayer will give you. And that's what that shawl represents, prayer. It's being covered in the word and the presence of God. And we do that in faith today. Thank you. Now anointing with oil, which is very important. Tony, if you'd like to come forward. First Samuel 16 and 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And, for, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Stephanie, your ability to fulfill this calling will be through the Lord's anointing. 
as said in Zechariah, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So, Father, we just pray these covenants between you and Stephanie right now. We pray them, we seal them with the agreement of her, with the leadership of this church, and the congregation of this church, and we feel by your spirit also. And we thank you, and we release upon her the commission of a pastor in this church to do as you would lead for the purposes that you have ordained. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to ask for Stephanie's family to come forward, and you can turn and face the congregation. Gather around. You want to introduce everybody, Steph? Now, we want to pray for the family because Stephanie is not going to be able to do what she is being called to do here without her family being with her and helping her and uh, directing her and in all ways strengthening her. And we're just going to take a minute to be quiet. If you have a picture or a scripture or anything or a prayer that you'd like to say, we're going to give an opportunity for you as the congregation to do that, and then I'll close with a prayer. or scripture. Mm. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing today and we pray for the family. We pray, Father God, that you would give them discernment, that you would give them those little hints and little uh, kind of <laughs> seeing ahead 
when they say, I don't think you should do this, or maybe you should do this. And that, Father God, you would speak through them and strengthen them as they carry, and that family, this family, will carry Mosaic in a way, will be caring for us. So we commit to pray for them, Father God. We pray for unity. We pray for the fullness of your spirit and that each person walks with their own individual faith in the, in the way that they want to experience it and express it. Father, I pray for peace in the home and your wonderful presence to just be there and to know and, to, and, and let everyone know that all is well, that you have everything in your hands. You take care of the details. So, Father, we thank you for this family of faith and the generations of faith behind them. Father, this is amazing. This is a gift from you to have such a lineage. So, Lord, we thank you for sending this family to us. We are blessed and we are thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there we go. So, we're going to do, uh, Steph wants to come, and uh, she's going to be doing communion for us, and she's going to say a few things uh, ahead of time, so come on up. Oh, I'll get you the microphone. Thank you so much for your welcome, for being so responsive to the moving of the Spirit, so open to his leading and uh, welcoming me. And I'm grateful, so grateful for the way the Lord is leading and guiding, that we're not making it happen, that he is making it happen. And we are so grateful. So we're going to read um, Psalm chapter 40. Uh, verses 1 to 5, 9 to 11, and 17. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh, my God, do not delay. 
God has used this psalm three different times in my life to confirm a shift in my calling. The first couple of times, he was leading me to direct music ministry at two different churches. And the third time, he used it as a confirmation um, of heading to the discipleship ministry and working for the discipleship ministry that I've worked for for the past seven years. And um, right before he called me to that ministry, I was in a time of grief and confusion, thinking that I had heard the Lord's call to be a youth pastor, but then having that fall through. And I felt like I was in the miry clay, in the mud and mire. I was grieving. I was confused. I didn't know what the Lord was doing. But God said through this psalm, I'm lifting you out of the confusion and the grief, and I'm setting you on a rock I'm giving you a secure place to stand and to minister in Jesus Christ. He gave me a new song to sing and a song that came from my identity as his beloved daughter. He has taught me so much about resting in my identity as his beloved daughter. But over the past few months, I've been drawn to this psalm again. But this time, the Lord keeps highlighting verse 9 and 10 to me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. And I felt the Lord directing me to say this as a covenant to you today, that with God's help and grace, I commit to proclaiming God's faithfulness and salvation and to teaching both his love and his truth to this community. But, and this may surprise you, I also commit to showing you my need, to being real and vulnerable about my humanness and my brokenness. How many of you, how many of us, like to be real about our need, about our lack, about where we're weak and where we're stuck? But this is the gospel, friends. We come to God with our need, with our sin, with our lack, and God responds and he meets us because of the work that Jesus has done through his death and resurrection. And then people see this transaction and are saved. Let's look at the beginning of this psalm again, which beautifully describes this. I waited patiently for the Lord. And in the Hebrew, it said twice, wait. I, it's like waiting upon waiting upon waiting. It's this waiting that is really hard waiting for the Lord to respond. Waiting intentionally, waiting it with a longing heart to see the rescue of the Lord and crying out to him. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. So the psalmist says, this is our role. This is our responsibility to patiently wait and wait again with our posture turned toward God 
not grumbling about our circumstances or turning our posture and uh, away from God and trying to do it on our own and figure out what we can do and how we can rescue ourselves. Our posture is to be toward God, waiting anxiously, waiting intently and intentionally for him to lift us out and crying, crying out to God. So waiting and crying. That's it, folks. That's our role. And then the psalmist says, you know what God gives himself the responsibility to do? Well, to turn to us, to bend down. The old language said to incline his ear. That's bending his ear so close to us to hear our cry. So he bends down towards us, and he hears us, And he lifts us out of the mud and the mire, out of the insecurity and the unsteadiness, the confusion and the panic that we have. He lifts us out. Picture a sheer face of a rock, a huge rock, and we're stuck in the mud and the mire at the bottom, slipping and sliding like quicksand. We cannot climb that rock. We cannot do it ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. He lifts us out. And he sets our feet securely on the rock that is Jesus Christ, giving us a firm place to stand. And not only does he do that, he gives us a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. And the outcome of that, as we wait and cry out, that's our role. And God has five things that he said, I will turn to you. I will bend down. I will hear. I will lift you up. I will set your feet on a rock, and I'll give you a new song to sing. And then you know what the outcome is? Many people see and hear and respond to the gospel. This is the gospel. Our need, Jesus meets us in our need, and many are saved. Many fear the Lord. Many see what this transaction, this incredible transaction, and they turn to the Lord and are given hope and are saved. Isn't that beautiful? When we're honest about our situation, when we're real about the pain of waiting and crying, people see the work of the Lord in us when he rescues us and lifts us up. They don't see it if we're not real about our need. And that's why I'm committing to you today to be honest about my need and my brokenness. Because you will not see the gospel if you don't see how the Lord meets me in my need. And you will not share the gospel with others if you're not real about your need and the way the Lord has met you in it. This is the truth of the gospel. This is why Jesus came. This is why we need the cross. Because he gets the glory. He lifts us out. He gets the glory. And each of our stories, when recounted honestly, are powerful witnesses to the gospel. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Right? While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So these verses apply not only to our initial salvation, but also to our ongoing sanctification. We need to be rescued from our sin when we first come to Christ but we also need to be continually lifted up out of the miry clay. Confusion, sin, addiction, selfishness, doubt. We need to be lifted up out of the miry clay and given a firm place to stand. Where have we been trying to get ourselves out of the miry clay? The quicksand. 
the confusion? Where are we tired of waiting for God to rescue us and we've been trying to get unstuck from the mud ourselves and trying to climb up the sheer face of the rock, insisting that we can get ourselves back on solid ground? Let's just take a few minutes and pause And ask the Lord about this. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. Have you been trying, have you been tired of waiting? Have we been trying to get out of the mud ourselves? Let's talk to the Lord. The message of the cross is not just rescue. It's security and it's abundance. He gives us a firm place to stand, to be grounded in our identity as his beloved children. He gives us a new song to sing, one that brings him glory and draws others to see his goodness and to know him. Do we trust that our good shepherd will give us everything we need that we will lack nothing? Do we trust that? We say it all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack anything. Do we believe that? Do we believe that when we bring him our need and our lack, he says, it's okay. You will not lack anything in me. I am the good shepherd who knows you intimately. I know exactly how to help you thrive. I know exactly what you need and what you desire. We offer our need, and God responds to our need, and people see this gracious transaction and are drawn to him. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing a listening prayer exercise with a group of women, and I sensed that Jesus wanted to show each of us a particular need that we had. And so we pictured that need, we went to prayer, and we pictured that need in our hands and bringing it to Jesus. And we asked the Lord, just show us what, what does our need look like? Does it, is it, what, how is it represented? And what do you want to do with it? And so the Lord showed me that my need was represented by a peach stone in my hand. And I talked to the Lord about it, and I, I asked him what it meant. I was wondering, why is what I'm bringing to you looking like a peach stone, Lord? And he revealed to me that out of my need will come my growth. I have to keep bringing my need. I have to keep being real about my need. Out of my need, out of this seed, will come my growth. Allowing my need to be present and to be seen is an important way that I will grow and that others will grow. So picture a need that you have in your hand. Let's go back to prayer and talk to the Lord about it. What need do you have right now? And maybe the Lord wants to give you an image 
Picture your need in your hand and offer it to Jesus. And notice how he responds to you. This is how we come to the cross. We bring our need and we cry out. And we trust that God will meet us. He has already bent down to us in Jesus Christ. In his death and resurrection, he's inclined towards us. He's bent down to us. He's rescued us. He hears and responds to us. He lifts us up, sets us on a rock, and gives us a new song to sing. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you ask us to come as we are, in our neediness, to come in our humanness, in our brokenness, to cry out, to wait patiently with our posture toward you, Thank you that you have done what we could never do, that you have rescued us, that you became one of us so that you could die in our place, Lord Jesus. You became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you for your death and resurrection. Thank you for life. Thank you for hope. Thank you for this new song to sing. And thank you that each and every one of our stories matter. The way that you encounter us in our need will make a difference, not only for us, but for the world. You have given us a new song to sing, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And so we come to your table this morning humbly, and gratefully that you see us and you hear us and you respond to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given